is the Creophile. On this episode, nine months ago, the MV Sewol sunk off the coast of Mokpo in the southwest of the country, killing 304 passengers. The victims were primarily high school students on a field trip bound for Jeju Island. In the wake of the tragedy, Korean society has struggled to cope with the issues of public safety and government accountability. Rebecca Jong is affiliated with SewolTruth.com. I spoke with her in Seoul's Gwangwamun Square regarding the group's call for an impartial and comprehensive investigation into the disaster and the state of the Sewol Truth movement. And you are uh, taking care of a signature tent. What is the what's the petition that uh, you're asking pedestrians and passersby to sign? So um, we're trying to collect a hundred signatures um, of people who are showing support for a fair investigation of what happened with the Seoul very disaster. Um, it's run by the families and volunteers. And we have about six million signatures so far, and we're here every day in Kwangwamun Square. After the disaster, the presence here at Gwangwamun started pretty spontaneously. It's yes. been it's been here now for. It's close to 200 days. It happened um, a bit after the disaster happened. I think initially it was more focused around the Parliament House and also in Kingmokong, where the ferry actually sank. But because you know they weren't making any progress, they thought a public place like this would be a good place to kind of get the message out. So at first, it, people approached it like it could be a political issue, maybe with political solutions, but has that changed? Um, I think it's the other way around. It kind of, at the start, you know, the whole country was really saddened by what happened, but it became a political issue. So um, the two major political parties kind of took opposing stances. Um, I think it was... It, kind of made worse because it was in the lead-up to the regional elections. And, you know, the opposition kind of had a pro-family sort of stance. But once they lost the regional elections, it became kind of a lost issue. No one really cared about it. Tell me about what the movement is trying to achieve in terms of um, changing aspects of Korean society. So um, when people talk about the Sea Wolf Ferry disaster, they often say that it kind of highlighted multiple problems within Korean society. Um, the one that the families are most focused on is building a more safer country, um, because we know from what's come out so far in the investigation, um, a lot of kind of not following regulations, cutting corners, um, and corruption were part of the cause of why the ferry sank. They want all of this to come out in the formal investigation so that you know changes can be made to legislation so that this doesn't happen again. Thank 
presence here for 200 days, uh, I was really surprised because in the past, sometimes social movements haven't been allowed to publicly represent in the public spaces, but City Hall hasn't had a problem with uh, the daily presence here of the Sewol tents. Um, I think, kind of historically, Kongamuna is kind of like a speaker's corner, so it's a public arena where people can kind of have a voice. There have been um, efforts to try and kind of get rid of the, the family's presence here, but because it's so public and it's an issue that most Koreans are still sympathetic about, it's not that easy to get rid of. Rebecca, you're from New Zealand, but how, how did you get involved with this? Um, I think, for me, this disaster and the aftermath kind of opened my eyes to the problems in Korean society. So, you know, since April the 16th, I've been watching the Korean news every day, like following the events as they unfold. And because um, I'm bilingual, I can speak English and Korean, I got involved in doing some translations for an English language website about the Seoul Ferry disaster. Um, and one thing led to another, and I felt that when I was in Korea, I should visit the square because the family is still living here. And yeah, and now I'm here petitioning. <laughs> That's really the tragic thing when you're walking by, is, is these tents, a lot of them are, uh, is the families of the victims, yeah? Yeah, so there's two um, fathers who've been living here since um, 200 days ago. So they sleep here, they eat here, they bathe in the subway toilets. Um, and that's, you know, that's all they've got left, because um, one of the fathers, um, his son was called Young Suk. He was an only son, so his dad is here now and his mum's in hospital, just you know, exhausted. Um, yeah, the fight's kind of the only thing that the families have. For people who might be hearing about the Sewol disaster and wanting to find out more about the movement that has started up around the, the fallout from it, how can people find out more and learn more? Sure, I think um, for people who are English-speaking, the best place to go is a website called seawalltruth.com. So that's S-E-W-O-L-T-R-U-T-H.com. Um, there's some English language um, video clips there and also translations of um, profiles and letters written by the parents of the kids, the victims. Um, so you can learn about the people who were lost in the disaster and also sign um, an online version of the petition that we're running here. Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, not a problem. I hope that I helped get the message out.
that's the Korea file. Live music courtesy of Kang Soon Wan's performance at Strange Fruit in Hongdae last December. We're off next week, but stay tuned in February for interviews with writer Michael Breen, Daegu math rock band Mountains, and brother Anthony of the Royal Asiatic Society of Korea. You can find downloads of the Korea file on iTunes and at Spreaker.com, as well as at the Korea file page on Facebook. If you like this podcast, recommend it. From Hwasun Village on Jeju Island, I'm Andre Goulet. Yuri Chai Vichin Nemo Zuma